Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy Friday, everyone. Friday after Nationals uh, signing day. Uh, I guess it's National Signing Day now because um, uh, it is. It's the day most guys sign. Now, it does, it does sort of linger with the new, um, I guess, uh, early signing period and the portal and all that. South Carolina's got like nine spots left to fill. So, it's not over. Um uh, kind of a weird day. Uh, Yankees lost, obviously, Jay Sean Barham, and that uh, that happened. And uh, he flipped back to Maryland. And you guys know the story. Shane Beamer kind of laid all that out. And um, okay, you know, uh, that's Maryland. It's the in-state school. They did what they did to flip him back. And so we'll see. We'll see how all, uh, all that plays out. Uh, so Carolina loses one guy, and all of a sudden, you know, the class ranking goes from fifth in the SEC to sixth to twelfth on twenty four seven Sports. Actually, it's eleventh right now. Uh, Gamecocks, uh, in terms of the high school guys, uh, Gamecocks ahead of Ole Miss, Vandy, and Florida. Florida only has ten commits. You have to think the Gators are probably going to hit the portal pretty hard. Uh, that's just the high school guys, though. Uh, as far as the overall uh, in the SEC, uh, South Carolina, the 23rd nationally, by the way, is 10th uh, ahead of Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Vandy, and Florida. ESPN, which ranks uh, subjectively, they don't they don't use uh, a formula or anything like that. Um, of course, their rankings, their player rankings, feed into 24/7 Sports Composite, uh, but they just kind of pick the teams. Uh, ESPN had the Gamecocks sixth in the Southeastern Conference. So, uh, obviously, they weighed Rattler and Stogner a little more. Uh, You know, looking at 24-7 sports, I've said this for a while, it's going to take a few years, uh, I think, for the recruiting industry to sort of uh, fine-tune what exactly the portal means uh, in terms of player value. 
so you look at it right now and uh, losing Jay Sean Borum uh, meant more uh, to the class in a negative manner than gaining Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner. And that doesn't make sense on any planet. I mean, you know, you got two guys that uh, should be preparing things going differently at Oklahoma should be preparing for the NFL combine right now uh, that are on the roster uh, opposed to a really good mid four star top 120 guy uh, out of high school. And, and, and so, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, you know, that's, it's just kind of interesting. <laughs> um, and, and, and so I would encourage everyone to kind of, you know, chill out a little bit about the ranking uh, and look at the players you got and understand too, South Carolina's not done. I mean, they've got, uh, uh, you know, like I said, nine spots or so left, uh, you know, two left over from the high school and then, you know, so the seven allotted from the portal. So, um, you know, we'll see. And they may not use all nine of them. You know, they may, may just get uh, a few guys, but they're targeting tackles and receivers and, Maybe running back. Uh, there's some talk about defensive linemen, maybe in-state defensive linemen that have signed elsewhere in previous classes coming back. So a lot of rumors out there, and uh, I feel confident uh, when it's all said and done, and it may not be said and all said and done until May uh, when the portal closes up, uh, I think the Gamecocks will be in pretty good shape. You know, Obviously, uh, this is the news and notes segment. Thank you to Heritage Digital for sponsoring this one and uh you know some little housekeeping here i think what we're going to do is i'm going to go through uh and talk about some of the players in the class uh i'm going to talk about some news here news and notes uh and break those down going to get to the mailbag got a lot of questions about the mailbag rolling in um got an ama going on uh big spur today got some video stuff you can go to our video uh youtube page um and, uh, you know, check out some of the quick hits, uh, thoughts that I had on the class for now to kind of tag you over uh, and uh, all that good stuff. And then we're going to have a second signing day recap um, here, and you'll have two episodes to get you through the weekend. Uh, some basketball stuff, bad news uh, leaking out <laughs> or not leaking out. Frank Martin talked about it on his call-in show. Um. Uh, how many, how many, uh, you know, players are out with COVID for Clemson this weekend? And he said five, not including AJ Wilson, who's hurt and getting an MRI. So yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, hmm. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. The world we live in. I do think that. Um, Student athlete health is is a priority. It's unfortunate that came during right now because that's a big, big ball game for the Gamecocks. You know, you, you lose that one. The committee's not going to. I mean, they should weigh it, but they probably won't. Um, that means if you don't get that one, you got to make it up with a, a good win in the SEC. Uh, 18 of those games coming up. So so we'll see sort of how that gets uh, gets on and gets going. So I, I – uh, I hate it for the team. Uh, and, and look, I, I think that realistically, you know, you really have to look at who's out uh, to kind of determine uh, whether or not the Gamecocks have any shot at all to go up to Little John and win. You know, if it's the right mix of guys and they're not missing, you know, you can go up there and win. Uh, but uh, you're going to be shorthanded. You're going to probably be tired. But 
you know, these guys are collegiate athletes and heck there's teams out there that only play eight or nine guys. So it just kind of depends on who it is. And uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, I know that a lot of people are here. We go again um, after what happened last year with COVID. I understand it is frustrating, but you know, I, I, I don't know that this is something that's, I, you know, because you have the new variant out there, which the good news about the new variant is based on what I've read, um, it, it doesn't make you as sick. It's just way more contagious. So uh, hopefully, and, and look, it's just hopefully, I'm not a medical doctor or a scientist or anything like that. Hopefully, Carolina, um, you know, or, or, or I'm sorry, the country, not Carolina, the country uh, ends up. Um, you know, with a mild situation, uh, and it's not, uh, you know, in other words, there's a lot of positive tests, but there's just not a lot of death and hospitalizations. And then and that's what's important. Um, and that's the, the silver lining uh, with the new variant that uh, is out there, but we just don't know. I mean, you, you don't know quite yet. I mean, it could take a turn for the worse. It could hurt the basketball season. The NCAA is already talking about like, um, uh, saying that you can play – they're going to, in other words, waive the, the rule that you have to have 25 um, games under your belt to get in the tournament or postseason so that they probably will, uh, you know, will uh, I guess uh, waive that if this thing gets worse. But uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully yeah, – because you see it pop up in the NFL and NBA now too – Hopefully, you know, you get to the point where you look at it and it's like, well, these are just positive tests. Nobody's really getting that sick. And so, I mean, what do you do at that point? Um, it's just kind of the nature of having something that's not, uh, you know, that's there's not a lot known about it. So anyway, don't want to talk about COVID here. Not, definitely not wanting to get into all that, but that's the situation uh, with basketball right now. And uh so Carolina's still going up there. The game's still on. Uh, you know, some people are talking about postponing it. That that's just not with the way the basketball schedules are set up, and, and Clemson being the ACC, Carolina the SEC. It's it's just tough to get that in. Um, last year they had to cancel. You know, so uh, unfortunately that's just kind of um, kind of the way it goes. Uh, Got to say this, uh, Mike Morgan is calling the Cure Bowl today in uh, Orlando, uh, my co-host of the uh, J.C. Morgan podcast. Those of you that are uh, planning on watching Coastal in Northern Illinois, uh, Mike, will be, Mike will be calling that. So happy for Mike, good friend of mine, uh, and all that. All right, analysis segment. Uh, obviously, the analysis segment is uh, awesome, and it's brought to you by uh, Cindy Searfoss Realtor. Uh, Daniel Morgan Avenue in my hometown of Sparkle City, South Carolina, right there, 864-414-5271. We all know the real estate market's crazy. It's probably going to get crazier. Uh, we all know that we need people to guide us through it, whether we're selling, buying, looking into whatever. Um, she's married to a diehard Gamecock fan. Been in the upstate 35 years, 35 years, and she could help you with all of your real estate needs. Really good person. Uh, really good real estate agent, uh, really good family. Uh, husband's the lacrosse coach at Burns High School, my alma mater, first year there. Uh, and uh, just a really, really, I keep saying really, right? Uh, really is worth your time if you're in the market to buy, sell, whatever, to give Cindy a call. 864-414-5271. Cindy Searfoss. 
Colwell Banker Kane, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Game Cops podcast. Please tell her JC sent you. Uh, please, that helps me out uh, tremendously. Tremendously. All right. So uh, I, I mentioned a little about the class and the rank and, and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I look at this class and, and I thought a good goal, you know, because you, you look at it and it's like, well, they didn't get a chance to really get started uh, until June uh, because of COVID. And uh, they, they, they said, okay, you can start taking visits in June. So that that's really half of a cycle, uh, maybe more when you're talking about an early period because you're 12 months or you know, six months from signing day. Um, and with a new staff and a new deal, I mean, it's, it's just kind of uh, one of those things. I'm not saying they were behind the eight ball. But other schools, again, have had, had uh, if, if they their staff was in place uh, prior to COVID or whatever, they're, they're building relationships for a longer period of time. Uh, and then those players that were seniors that may have visited Carolina when they were juniors and, and get exposed and see the facility and uh, the stadium and the program and Columbia and know what it's all about, they, they're kind of the first time there. Um, I thought it was very smart – uh, given the portal uh, that you didn't see South Carolina under Shane Beamer have an expanded, huge recruiting board for, for high schoolers. Um, it, it was kind of like, you know, and I'll give you an example, tight end. Okay. They went all in on Oscar Delp, had some other guys they really liked, definitely would have taken Jake Johnson. Uh, Tyus Washington was a guy that committed to Arkansas early, but they would have looked at him. Uh, but then once it got past Delp, it's like, well, you know, the Johnson popped up uh, because of the change at LSU. And obviously they were going to go there because he's special. Um, it was portal, you know, and then they ended up getting a good one in Austin Stogner. Uh, you know, I think with receiver, you know, they tried on some guys, uh, struck out with Antonio Williams. Uh, you know, you got Landon Sampson in and, and, and Horton in. But, uh, you know, you, it's time for the portal because, you know, Carolina – what I was told after Horton committed, now Horton's a guy, you know, 6'4", 190, uh, tested well, worked out at a bunch of camps and looked good. Uh, but he is coming from eight-man football. And, and you have to factor that in in terms of can he help you right away. Uh, and people don't need to give up on him if he comes in and has to redshirt. Um, but you, you have to really factor that in. So, so that that's a projection. Uh, and I was told, look, they're not going to take but one projection at receiver in this class. They, they, they need guys that can come in and help. Um, so you got past Williams, and then, you know, you guys like Jaden Gibson that was out were out there over the summer. Uh, obviously, he, he's in Oklahoma now. You know, you, you, have to, you have to sort of go get guys that are ready, and, and that's obviously guys in the portal. And there's going to be some options uh, out there uh, at receiver. Uh, you know, op- offensive tackles now a, a kind of an immediate need. Uh, I think the three offensive linemen they got are fine, you know, players. I think they all, they've all got a chance. You don't look at them and go, man, this guy, <laughs> he's a real project. So, uh, you know, and that, 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 that shrinking, I mean, running back, all right? So uh, didn't get Ramon Brown at the end. Uh, didn't get him at the beginning either. He was kind of the one guy they were in on and, and after – and, you know, once once he's off the board, uh, and I don't know that, you know, him going to Maryland uh, was as big of a 
a deal as Barham because I I think I think Maryland cut the, the Hokies on that one. Uh, I think Carolina was third. And there was some talk they were in the mix. Carolina never gave up. He enjoyed his visit, but you know I, Maryland. If you're mad about Ramon Brown going to Maryland, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, Barham, yes, that was a that was a head to head deal. So um, you know, and after he's out, you know, you, you kind of look. You, you know, Harris. Kevin Harris probably leaving after the bowls. The Quandre White's already gone. Uh, so you probably do need a running back. Uh, and you go in the portal and get it. You know, there's a kid at uh, – there's some kids out there. I just – you know, the, the, some of these guys are not in the portal yet. Uh, but, you know, there's some guys out there you definitely need to keep an eye on at the running back position. You know, Carolina needs depth. I mean, you, 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 you have three scholarship guys. You're going to need, you know, more than that. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's been years Carolina's gotten to their fourth team back pretty quick. Uh, it's just life uh, in the SEC at that position. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of going to be a position to watch. I, I think that, you know, best player available on the edge uh, is something to watch. But what you didn't see was Carolina misses on a guy and then like across the board, it's a bunch of second and third choices. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that's bad. Sometimes those second and third choices work. Uh, and I'm not saying they didn't take guys late, uh, that they otherwise wouldn't have had they not missed like Xavier short and, uh, DQ Smith, uh, two local guys, you know, that they, they needed to have the room to take short, um, and, and Smith, who's going to probably sign February or maybe August out of spring Valley high school. And he's projects as a safety, um, 208, physical player, love him. Um, and I think late a good strategy. This is why I like this strategy. Is okay. So take a guy, take local. You know, take South Carolina guys uh, because those guys from the state of South Carolina. It, you know, that state is not evaluated all that well. But you got guys that frequently <laughs> from the state leave. Uh, that are kind of lowly, low ranked and under the radar, and then they turn into NFL draft picks elsewhere. So uh, it's never a bad thing uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna take a flyer uh, to take a flyer on uh, an in-state kid, especially local kids around Columbia. Uh, and that's exactly what they did with Short and Smith. I wouldn't rule out Short playing early. Uh, to be honest, I think really good player. Um, so I like that approach. Uh, you know, there's some talk. Uh, there was some talk Wednesday about North Carolina and why, you know, the Gamecocks got shut out up there because DeAndre Martin is, is technically a Virginia kid. Uh, and look, here's the bottom line. Go look at North Carolina right now. In the University of North Carolina, Mac Brown recruiting, they're taking who they want out of North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, Gamecocks tried on James Pierce, but he signed with Tennessee. And, you know, again, starting in June, and you can't be on the road and all that, it's hard. It's hard to go identify a guy. Uh, I'll use an example like a Quinn Smith. You remember South Carolina got him kind of off the radar from North Carolina. Ended up being a pretty solid linebacker. Ellis Johnson found him during the Spurrier era. Or uh, JT Surratt who Brad Lawing found in Winston-Salem. Boy, he didn't even have a Wake Forest offer. And it ended up being a pretty good play for Carolina. Those guys, you know, out of North Carolina are the guys that, you know, I don't know that this staff had the time to go turn over new leaves. And also, I don't know that 
you know, with the way they recruit with a shortened board that that was kind of the plan. I mean, you kind of identify your guys. And then if you don't get them, you, you backfill with transfers. Uh, and I think that's fine, but uh, uh, there'll be a day South Carolina gets back. You know, people ask me what they have to do to get North Carolina. And I said, time, uh, you know, cause right now, uh, you know, you're sitting there. South Carolina's kind of a, a building program. Uh, North Carolina's got a lot of momentum. There's other, uh, I guess, uh, schools that go in there and uh, do a good a good job in that state. Um, you know, and I'll pull up the rankings here. You got uh, Georgia pulling the linebacker from Salisbury. Maryland, there's that team again, pulling the receiver from Monroe. Virginia pulled a guy from Mooresboro. I don't know if Carolina wanted any of these guys. Um, and it wasn't, uh, to be straight and honest with you, it, it wasn't the most deep group uh, in that state this year. You, you kind of look, North Carolina got one, two, three, four of the top six, and then kind of cut it and went to Virginia. And they have kind of a smaller class, even this eight in the country. So, you know, but it would have been great to have James Pierce, in my opinion, uh, if you're South Carolina. But didn't happen. Uh, and you, you kind of wait and see what happens up there in the next cycle. I mean, you, you, Jimmy Lindsay's from North Carolina. Clayton White's from North Carolina. Uh, you, you've got a lot of familiarity uh, with that, uh, that state. And Virginia, too. I mean, I think those two states are going to become – uh, pretty doggone important. So, uh, you know, look, here's the thing. You, you can sit there and go, oh, we're shut out in North Carolina right now. What are, what are we to do? Well, you know? <laughs> and uh, what these guys did was they said, well, we, we've still got to go get players. Uh, so where do you go to get players, you know? And uh, I think the staff did a good job of going up and hitting other pockets. And, and I think it's going to continue. I mean, look, we're in a new era of recruiting with the portal. Uh, we're kind of in a different era with, like I mentioned, the North Carolina thing. I've always felt like if you can corral North Carolina, get some guys out of Virginia, do what you do in Georgia and Florida, and then sign your share in state, you, you can put together a roster. But, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you, I mean, because people, people have argued with me about that before because you look at some of the – Better teams across the country, even Clemson, which built their roster that way, in out of primarily uh, out of the four state area. Uh, I know you know they got some out of Virginia, Cleveland, Farrell, Tosh Boyd. Uh, you go to Connecticut and get Christian Wilkins. That's all well and good, but you know you, you look at those first couple of teams, and and then all of a sudden, they immediately as soon as they could, they start going national. Uh, Georgia goes more national, so maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I you know. When we talk about those schools going national, it's usually for elite, top, known guys. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know about going national for uh, the other tier or whatever. Uh, but in this situation that they're in right now, uh, they had to go piece it together uh, from other places. And, and you look, and it's a geographic breakdown is uh, quite interesting. You know, you have uh, three guys from the Atlantic East, was going to be four with Barham. Uh, all those guys are either high three-star or above. Uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware area, which is good. Keenan Nelson, uh, Braden Davis, uh, Ryan Brubaker, uh, all right there. Um, you know, I, I, I think, too, if, 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 if Florida 
uh, is a place that with the way the in-states are kind of in transition down there and all that, uh, whenever you have a bunch of coaching changes, okay, and, and you have – uh, you know, transition or, or whatever, or, or you're, you're not having good years uh, at those schools, Miami, Florida, and Florida State's what I'm talking about. Uh, in a state like Florida, as big as it is, you know, sometimes you, you miss guys and uh, you misevaluate guys. I mean, you know, I think that's kind of part of the reason UCF is pretty good uh, is that some of those guys should have been playing uh, at the other schools. Uh, and so I think hitting Florida was smart. I think it's one of the better classes from that state that the Gamecocks have had. They're all defensive players. Uh, Anthony Rose, I think, is going to be uh, as good as he wants to be uh, on the defensive backfield. Uh, you know, Beamer talked about Kawan Banks as maybe being uh, an early uh, player at nickel. Jamal Weish uh, plays very angrily. Uh, big upside guy there out of Miami. Uh, and then Brian Thomas Jr., the other edge guy with uh, the NFL bloodlines of the Orlando area, you know, I think is uh, a pretty good solid guy. So um, I like the fact that they went into Florida, sort of reestablished some inroads. It makes sense, Torian Gray. Uh, as far as the secondary goes, you, you can you can find secondary guys in that state uh, pretty easily, and uh, I, I think that's smart. Going, going down there. I, I think that, you know, when you talk about South Carolina recruiting the state of Georgia, and, and I've said this many times, many of the best players in school history came from Georgia. Connor Shaw, George Rogers, Sterling Sharp uh, was a Georgia guy. Uh, so South Carolina tends to recruit pretty well from the Peach State. Uh, the, the issue is certain staffs before have gotten into trouble uh, with over-recruiting it and, and getting guys over from that state that maybe couldn't play a whole lot. Uh, you, you have some guys in that state uh, a lot of times that run up what I call pseudo-offers, and you look at big list, but they can't play that in the movie. Uh, and that happened you know, about six, seven years ago. That, that was happening around Columbia. I, I thought Will Muschamp and his staff did a really good job of shrinking the, the, the targets in Georgia and focusing on quality. And, and, and sort of what they did was they would hit like that, what I call the second tier. When I say tier, uh, I'm not necessarily speaking of these guys are not as good as the top guys. Uh, when I say tier, I'm talking about offer list, basically. You know, you've got a tier in Georgia where Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Georgia, uh, Florida, every, everybody wants them, Right. And then you got this next year where it's it's a lot of really good SEC programs, but you don't necessarily see Bama and you have to compete with Bama, Georgia, or Clemson or any of those. Uh, you know, and it, it's more like your Auburns and Tennessees and Floridas uh, of the world and, and, and South Carolina. You know, you got to be competitive uh, with that tier in Georgia uh, and get your share. And, uh, you know, that's where you get J.C. Horn. Enig uh, Barre had a Georgia offer, but didn't have Bama or Clemson. Uh, Yannick Barres of the world, you know, your Aaron Sterlings of the world, you know, that, that those are guys that can play. Uh, and so I think, um, I mean, Jamie Robinson, you know, when you got it. So, so I thought Muschamp and company did a, actually did a really good job uh, in the state of Georgia. And this class from Georgia, there's five players from Georgia in the class. It, it sort of feels that way because you, you have Emory Floyd who, uh, he didn't have pseudo offers, but he had uh, 
you know, some some schools that couldn't make up their mind about him, uh, Georgia included, and Auburn, I think, was one of those. And then uh, Florida didn't want him. Then Florida did want him. Then Florida didn't want him. Then Florida did want him. He yeah, so went back and forth. You know, this guy's 6'1". He runs 4'4". He's a track guy uh, for Powder Springs Hillgrove. Um, you know, his ranking keeps going down for some reason, but uh, I uh, I think that, you know, he, he's a guy that, that that's the kind of player out of that state that you go get. Donovan Westmoreland, you know, flip from Georgia technically, but, you know, uh, Georgia, Georgia's not going to kick an in-state kid off the commit list, but but what, what these schools do, they, they quit calling, you know, and they're like, well, this other school really wants him, so we'll just let him on, get, let him go. Uh, and that was that there. Felix Hickson's a guy, the game guys beat Georgia Tech on that really liked his junior film, but I'm not sure about his senior film yet. Uh, and then the two offensive linemen, Grayson Maines and Case and Henry, Gamecocks beat Tennessee on Maines, and I think Georgia Tech, North Carolina on Henry. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the, the area, you know, when you're talking about Georgia, what you do is you you go get guys like that, and then, you, then you're like – you kind of look at past recruiting classes and go, well, it ended up that this kid from Kentucky – or the went to Kentucky from Georgia was a first rounder, or J.C. Horn was a first rounder, uh, and, and, and you know you, you kind of play money ball uh, with that state. Uh, so I was, I was that was one thing coming in. I was worried about with the staff recruiting wise is that you know Muschamp and those guys they they knew they knew Georgia like the back of their hand. Uh, you kind of look up and down. You know Gray's more of a Florida guy. You know that kind of thing. Uh, but I thought they did really well in, in the state of Georgia, keeping that thing going. Um, you know, and, and, and so that was really good. You, you go get Stone Blanton out of Mississippi, the, the, the Mississippi, Texas guys, the, the, you know, the west of the Mississippis, uh, if you will. I mean, wait a minute. No, the, the, the Mississippi and east. I, I keep messing up my geography there. The Mississippi River runs to the west of the state of Mississippi, correct? No. Yes. Yes. Tennessee, I, I, I get confused because you cross you cross it going from Memphis into Arkansas, but Arkansas is above Louisiana. Um, so the Mississippi and West crew, you get three of them, actually four if you count Stogner, who's or five uh, if you count Rattler and Stogner because they're from the West too. Um, and, and look, good, you know Stone Blanton, you know you get him out of Mississippi. Uh, you know you have had an issue with Jalen Sneed going to Notre Dame or whatever, and. Uh, you know, you know the issues with Hilton Head, but uh, you replace him with a good player, Stone Blant. It would have been great to get both. Don't get me wrong. Um, Peyton Williams is a player out of Texas that uh, certainly has impressive film. ESPN has him as a four-star, uh, number 38 safety in the country out of Rockwall Heath. Uh, and then Landon Sampson's a guy that's obviously a, a, an All-American, playing in the All-American Bowl at South Lake Carroll that uh, has a high floor, it may come in and start. Uh, so, you know, you, when you kind of hit it like that, you know, that's good. I mean, you know, because, you, like I said, you have to get players from somewhere. You can't just sit there and go, well, we're going to shut out, you know, uh, the top four guys in state uh, or five guys in state. You know, you got the Hilton Head situation. You got two guys in Greenville County. You got two receivers, and they all went to Clemson, and we give up. You can't just do that, and you don't have to these days uh, if you if you make the right call. Um, so those are some of the things you know in breaking down this class uh, in the second signing day special. I'm going to go over all the players, player by player, 
kind of break those down for you uh, that are in the boat right now. Uh, but that's kind of the issue there uh, uh, with um, with the analysis of this class so far, so far. And like I said, uh, Carolina's not done. It's, it's not over. Uh, and that's why I kind of laughed at some of the reaction because of the, the ranking or whatever. And like, oh my God, we're this low. And oh my God. And I'm like, you lost one. I mean, let's live in reality or you lost one player. Now, look, if I had a concern about what looking at the rankings uh, on Wednesday, uh, it's this. Uh, it, it's not Carolina, it has nothing to do with South Carolina's class. I think this is a pretty good class. It's Missouri's fifth in the SEC, Kentucky's fourth. Uh, and those are just the high school guys. So you, you include the transfers. I think Kentucky's got some transfers in them. Uh, you look at it like that. I'm trying to pull this screen up. I got sent somewhere else. Congratulations to Bobby Bentley and the USF Bulls. They have the number one transfer class uh, in the country. Gamecocks have the number two transfer class in the SEC. So overall, including transfers, and this is uh, a new thing on 24-7 sports. Like I said, I think they need to tweak. They're going to have to tweak this. Kentucky's still fourth. Missouri's fifth. Tennessee's sixth. So you factor all that in, and, you know, the, those other SEC East teams having pretty good runs in recruiting this year, That to me that's more of a concern. And even at that, you know, they're going to have to do it a lot, you know, over and over again. Uh, Missouri, we talk about in-state talent. Um East St. Louis is technically in the state of Illinois, but uh, it's St. Louis. I mean, so you need to go get guys. Missouri did a good job there. Kentucky had probably on paper their best class ever since I've been following recruiting. Uh, so good job uh, by the Wildcats. And you know, that's just what everybody needs is for Mark Stoops to start getting even more players. <laughs> uh, but they have the highest ranked class overall outside of A&M, Bama, and Georgia that just um, – you know, those three schools mopped up. <laughs> I mean, no other way to put it uh, there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was a little like, uh, people got worried about it. And I'm like, well, Carolina's got a lot of spots to fill. And, and it's not over. It's like, you know, worry about it later, you know, if, if that's the case. But that's uh, that's kind of my uh, initial breakdown, initial thoughts of the, the recruiting class of 2022 for the Gamecocks. Getting back into the I Help Consulting mailbag. Gotta love this. Gotta love the I Help Consulting mailbag. Uh, here on a Friday inside the Gamecocks podcast, want to say thank you to Daniel Owens of I Help Consulting for sponsoring the uh, mailbag. Uh, each and every uh, episode, IHelpConsulting.com is that email address. And if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money, right? I help as a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses, whether you might be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, anything else, I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. Call or text Daniel Owens, 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com. To schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? Shout out to Daniel Owens, too, for sponsoring weekly segments on JB and Goldwater. You can catch me on JB and Goldwater every Wednesday, 1230 to 130. I catch their show. 
uh, from uh, 11, I think 11 to two every day, 11 to one every day, uh, or no, 12 to two every day. I'm sorry. Central time zone, Eastern time zone. It makes me confuse it. Uh, but uh, yeah, JB and Goldwater, 12 to two. Also uh, recommend the JC and Morgan college football podcast. We had a new one drop this week. My, Mike Morgan, myself, also Michael Haney joins us. Um, really good stuff. A lot of good stuff out there. Also go to the Big Spur YouTube page uh, for some quick hitting videos uh, by yours truly uh, on the players in this recruiting class. Going to finish that out uh, hopefully today or tomorrow and have the whole class done. Got about five, six, seven in there. I sort of ran out of gas on signing day, guys. I had to stay up all night prepping the site for it. Um, got to about three o'clock. I was like, ugh, you know. So uh, here we go. There's two ways to get in the mailbag. First way is take uh, – Take um, a look at the Twitter, the Big Spur Pod, um, and uh, tweet at us at the Big Spur Pod. First one comes in from John, longtime listener, first time question: Are transfers, early enrollees, eligible to play in the bowl game? Really enjoy the podcast regularly. Go Gamecocks! There are certain early enrollees that can practice; they cannot play. Um, well, the kids from the high school level could, but your clock starts there. So you just, you don't really do that. Um, somebody did say that with all the opt outs, um, you want to make bowl games pretty interesting. Let those guys be eligible, uh, free eligibility there. Um, and just let them, you know, count on the next year or whatever. And I think that would, you know, you have a, a school like Florida last year that lost a bunch of guys uh, in the, uh, you know, opting, opting out or whatever in the cotton bowl against Oklahoma. And, you know, you, you pay, play everybody in their recruiting class. They're going to be a little more interested, uh, may not win the game, but a little more interested uh, and all that good stuff. Um, but no, uh, like Spencer Rattler can't suit up and Austin Stoddard can't suit up for the bowl game because uh, there's a rule against playing for two different teams in a year. So that's, uh, that's the deal there. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, Kaki Faithful says, I appreciate your shout out on the pod. This is the guy that asked about Doty earlier this week. Uh, I only worry about, he said, I agree with your take, Doty benefiting for a year. I worry about that because of the portal. I've long thought that if Doty ever gets uncomfortable, he transfer home to Coastal because he'd kill it in that offense. Um, yeah, you know, but I'm just like, um, I'm just not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure Luke's ready to just give up. I mean, if you're, if you're Luke Doty, you sort of look at it and you're like, man, you know, the, the first two seasons, a lot, there's been a lot going on. I mean, you know, you, you've got last year where he's a receiver, then he's not a receiver, then eventually he takes over for Hill in kind of a lame duck situation, you know, played hard. And then he comes in this year, works his butt off, wins the job, uh, and then has a broken foot in practice and, and then tries to play on it and get back. And it just fell apart. And, you know, it, 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 it's almost like with everything that's happened, you know, he has not had like really your normal come in, sit, learn year. Uh, and, and I think every a lot of quarterbacks need that, you know, I think, and I think Luke Doty's no exception. So I believe if South Carolina can, um, I don't know, uh, you know, get him right in a year while Spencer Rattler plays. I mean, you, you never know. And you also, look, man, Spencer Rattler, I would definitely say he's the favorite to win the job. 
Uh, but you know, with injuries and things like that, you know, you, you don't want, I mean, you, you'd like to have Luke Doty behind it. Um, and so there's that situation there. Uh, but I mean, I agree. Uh, and I, uh, I, I, there's, there's like a, a, a fraction of fans who didn't want Rattler because of Doty. I'm not saying that was you Carolina faithful. Um, you know, oh, Doty's our guy. Uh, and then there's a, a fraction of fans that just want to throw Doty to the scrap heap. Uh, I, I don't think either one is the case. I think that the best news, the best news is, uh, you know, that he would come back and and, and he, he's planning on it right now, uh, work behind Rattler, get better, and then ready to take off and rock and roll as a, as a fourth-year player uh, in 2023, which is best-case scenario. Ken says, sorry to double tweet, does, but does Rattler coming now change Satterfield possibly moving on? Hearing rumors that Rattler likes Sat's offensive plan. And those aren't rumors. His quarterback coach mentioned the pro-style elements of the South Carolina offense. And, I, and I'll just say this. I, I think those needs that Rattler has with the offense um, can be met regardless. And I'll just leave it at that right now. Uh, Gamecock Ricky needs a new episode. Nice Dave Chappelle. Uh, Lance says he needs a new episode. There we go. Uh, he's never believed in cross. All right, so Grover, and I answered this. He says, I've never believed in cross-training offensive linemen. If I discovered you at center and recruited you at center, why would I move you to tackle? Well, that doesn't normally happen, center to tackle. All it says is I've done a lousy job recruiting tackles. Yeah, if you have to slide guys out, I mean, sliding guys in, because a lot of times high schools just put their best offensive linemen at tackle, and they're really guards at the next level. And then the NFL does the same thing, Grover. There's not, you know, offensive line, it's not always cut and dry. Uh, in fact, the NFL will take, take folks uh, and say he can play all five positions, so he's just going to back up and, and be like the sixth man. Um, so – uh, I wouldn't be adverse to cross-training guys. I think the scenarios that you laid out center to tackle, yeah, that's that shouldn't happen, but uh, or rarely happens. But guys do slide inside, and they do take players that you, you don't pencil. Everybody does this too. It's not it's not just South Carolina. I mean, you know, nobody in the country Grover sits there and goes, "All right, we got you now two tackles and, and two guards and a center, and, and they're going to stay there." Uh, a lot of times they take the five best and they're like, well, he could play either or. And then you got to side left or right. So to be determined. Um, Gamecock Pastors has asked this on TBS, but I'll throw it out here. How long until unwarranted negativity sets in after seeing 24th and 12th in the SEC for the high school class? Ah, you know, I mentioned that and I said there was a lot of disappointment. I, I'll just tell you that. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm not going to sit there and say that because uh, I think a lot of, of recruiting perception is very important. Uh, I'll say that when you're talking about television uh, and perception in that way, ESPN uses its own team rankings and they have the Gamecocks sixth in the SEC. Um, you know, and that that's they don't use a formula or anything. They just kind of eyeball it and – Rank so somebody somewhere thinks the Gamecocks have a top. Besides, you know, all of us thinks the Gamecocks have a pretty damn good class, uh, and it's not over. That's that's the thing too. It, it, this class is not over. So, um, 
I would just uh, chill out. I mean, I know they were on the message board. There's always like a couple of folks that didn't like the Beamer hire. Uh, they're never happy. But one one guy in particular, you know, he he fires Frank Martin whenever the the basketball team's not winning right away. He fires Mark Kingston every time the baseball team's not winning. He fires everybody. Uh, and, and he made a big deal out of it. And I kind of just was like, look, man, so you're telling me that in reality, this matters more than getting players. And, you know, I'm like, because I don't, you know, if, if you ask me, uh, you know, Jason Borum meant, you know, a, a higher rated class. Uh, Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner uh, with this you know, number 12 ranking, you're talking about game Kai pastor. Um they didn't even count. I mean, they 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 were they were not even factored in. Uh, so you're telling me you'd rather have if if it's either or you'd rather have higher ranking. I don't know. I mean, I'd rather have both, obviously. Uh, and Barham, you know, is a really good player uh, that they could have used. I think they need a big time edge coming up. You know, some of these guys are getting older. Um, but uh, heck, you can go find that elsewhere, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a different era of recruiting. Uh, and I think that's the the problem. And it, just like with me, uh, I've said this myself, it's going to take me a while to to adjust to this. I said it's going to take 24-7 sports a while to adjust to this because, uh, quite frankly, that that the way they did it this time is, is not, not – that's not the way to do it. Um, it's not that they're not on the right track. You just – you know, you, you can't – in my opinion – you know, you can't take the junior college uh, approach uh, to play to transfer portal rankings. Um, and, and the junior college approach is well, there's really no junior college players that are five stars or whatever. Uh, and I kind of agree with that because, shoot, man, there's been so many classes that have been overranked with five star JUCOs and, and they can't play a lick. There's a difference between that, though, and a guy like a Joe Burrow who probably would have gotten a, a 90 rating or so going to LSU. That's, that's really good. Um, and, and, and so, so, so that's what they did. They, they lowered all the numerical rankings for these guys. Most of them, most of the numerical rankings. Uh, and then the, the percentage when you, when you click on overall, like in other words, high school versus and portal combined portal is a very small percentage. Uh, compared to the high school guys. And, you know, so so to me, it's fine if it's a smaller percentage. Um, but, I, but, but I don't think you need both. Uh, I don't think you can take away, uh, you know, how much the transfers, uh, I mean, uh, contribute to the number for the team ranking and not give out any higher than 92. You know, because that 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 diminishes it, and it gets into this cattywampus thing where, oh well, you know, Emory Floyd and Braden Davis, uh, who are good prospects out of high school, uh, allegedly mean more to this class than Rattler and Stocker, and that's just not true. So, uh, yeah, and, and I also think that because it's a big signing day thing, and, and people are used to, uh, especially the old way. And then, and then the last few years, December's really been it. And then, then you kind of add some parts here and there, uh, or you have a Jordan Burt situation that, that goes. But, uh, you know, I, I, everybody's kind of used to, all right, after signing day, the door closes, and you're 
you know, SOL, if you didn't sign a good class. And so you kind of panic, but that's not the way it is either. So I think that's kind of what it is. So Chase, hey, JC, really enjoyed you on uh, the Zoom the other night. Thank you, Chase. I actually enjoyed that town hall with, with Keith and everybody. It's kind of funny. Uh, during that town hall, we were talking about Maryland, and I said somebody needs to stick a dagger in Maryland because, you know, they're a problem in recruiting. And lo and behold, they flip bar on the next day. So I was like, prophetic there. Um, he says, hey, JC, really enjoyed getting you on the Zoom. It's the town hall uh, the other night. I wanted to ask you the other night, as a lifelong Packers fans, who owns the Bears? <laughs> laugh out loud keep up the great work and enjoy your stuff yeah i've, I've learned from uh living part-time in chicago that bears fans are long-suffering much like gamecock fans and it's almost worse because you know they 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 it should be a great place to to play nfl football it's a great fan base uh really a, an attractive city for for pro players to live in um, especially in the summertime, uh, Chicago is great, but uh, <laughs> I just uh, haven't won, you know, and, and that's kind of the, I mean, I guess the, I know the White Sox had a good year, Cubs won the World Series a few years ago, but uh, the Bulls had their run, but Chicago sports, man, it's like, it's like an every now and then thing, except the Blackhawks. Uh, now the Blackhawks and hockey are a little down right now, but uh they, the Chicago Blackhawks are a really good franchise, but um, boy, the 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 Bears got the guy and them watching them play with Matt Nagy as their coach is brutal, brutal. Uh, but anyway, hey, long before I uh, made my way to Chicago, um, I like the Packers. You know, all the game guys used to play for the Packers: Sterling Sharp, uh, Robert Brooks. You know, all those guys. So that's that for that. So that's uh, again, follow inside uh, at the Big Spur Pod um, for all of you, uh, all of your uh, Twitter needs and also to ask questions uh, about uh, the Gamecocks here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. The other way to get into the iHelp Consulting mailbag, uh, and again, we appreciate iHelp Consulting and Daniel Owens. Please give him a call. Uh, is inside the game guys at gmail.com. Harrison. This is Harrison again. Well, it happened. Spencer Rattler to South Carolina, along with Stogner. I listened to your take on Rattler after I posed a question about his character and maturity. I do have to agree with you. If anybody's going to have to know what person rat kind of person Rattler is, it's going to be Shane Beamer. And who knows this past season may have been humbling to Rattler and may serve as a building block with his maturity. That's what I was told was that boy Rattler ate some humble pie and uh, ready to get to work. Beamer's comfortable with him. He's motivated, that kind of thing. The more I think about it, the more I like the pickup. Rattler's mobility is certainly what we need. If and when the O-line breaks down, judging by what we saw this past season, we can all use the, the, the most improvising we can get. Just like you've been preaching, though, a change to the offensive scheme needs to happen in order to have future success. Uh, all it goes without saying, but love the pickup. Of Stogner, too, a tall, reliable target who has already got chemistry with Rattler. Interested to hear your thoughts. Harrison, uh, Stogner, yeah, I, I almost hate it that Stogner committed the same time Rattler did because quarterbacks are always going to get the lion's share of the attention. You know, nationally, it's especially a guy like Rattler who 
was a Heisman contender coming in. I mean, he's already on the Heisman odds for next year at South Carolina. Um, but but Stogner is a baller, dude. I mean, that that guy, uh, he's had some some illness that, that affected his development a little bit. But man, he's he's a player you can go up and get it, uh, can run, block, whatever you want. Uh, and, and it was just kind of like when Rattler committed, Gabe guys get Rattler. Oh, and Stockner too. Stockner too. Don't underestimate that. I mean, that's that's a guy that's going to step right in for Nick Muse and be an upgrade. And you guys know, you know, I always kind of get in these arguments about Nick Muse with people. You guys know I like Muse. And I thought he was underused, underutilized this year quite a bit. I wish, yeah, you know, it just got weird. I mean, a guy caught 30 balls in, in the previous offense and then. You know, you just don't target him a whole lot or whatever, but uh, um, such is the scheme, you know, at South Carolina. But uh, uh, all right, so so that's the deal there. I think um, I think uh, you know both these guys are big pickups. Uh, you know, Rattler, I think is is what the Gamecocks need at quarter. They needed a guy that could come in, win the job, and make a difference at that position just to just to solidify it. You, you know, even if it's one year, solidify it. So, so that's the, that's the deal there. Um, very big, very big. Um, Jared says, really hoping I get in this for the podcast. Who is the fourth Beamer mentioned in his tweet? Uh, no, it wasn't Weezy. A Theo Weezy from Oklahoma. Uh, it was it was Xavier Short. He was uh, talking about. Alex says, what do you think of Skip Holtz being the next offensive coordinator? I know you said before you like him as a person, but I'm curious how you feel about him as an offensive mind. I, you know, uh, what was Skip's offense is sort of like Dan Mullins, Urban Meyer, uh, maybe a little less. Not not Urban Meyer. I mean, obviously it's Dan Mullins' offense. Um, zone read, quarterback runs, mobile quarterback, that kind of thing. Uh, with Rattler, yeah. I mean, Skip Holtz would be – uh, I think fine. I've always thought he was a good offensive mind. Do I see him coming back to South Carolina and doing that now? Um, do I see him maybe being an OC somewhere? Yeah, somewhere. Um, I, if I'm a school that has a head coaching vacancy, I, I may, uh, I may scoop skip up. You know, I, I, I think what happened to him at Louisiana Tech was garbage. Uh, you know, garbage. Period. Uh, but, yeah, he's a good offensive mind. Skip Holtz, really good offensive play caller, has evolved, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, also has had Todd Fitch, former Gamecock assistant, with him for a while, too. But that's a good offense. It's a much better offense than what we've seen. Darian says, no, I'm blowing you up. I'm not sold on Xavier Short. Uh, please uh, sell me on him and having the speed and being able to put on enough weight to be an SECH back. Well, I'm, I'm not worried about Xavier Short's speed. He, he runs 4.45. Uh, he's a 40-inch vertical guy, which means he's explosive. Uh, he's already 210, 215 pounds. And he just keeps getting bigger. Uh, I think physically he fits. The question is, you know, you get to that level of football, can you, can you go out and do it? Um, and so that would be my question there. And, and he's going to give receiver a shot and all that. I, I think he's a he's a really good ball player that, you know, like I said, the Gamecocks, you, you don't want to be watching that kid on a Wednesday night when App's playing Coastal and go, man, you really could have used him. He, he wanted to be a Gamecock bad. And 
Uh, Chapin also has a class of 2024 quarterback who I think is special, who the Gamecocks have offered. So, uh, it, you know, Carolina, some of these Chapin guys, uh, you know, Mason Zandy was pretty solid. Uh, Hank Manos hadn't worked out, but uh, some of these Chapin guys, you know, didn't work out. But, I mean, they've got good players, and you, you just got to keep recruiting them. I don't think at Chapin or Dillon or uh, any place like that, that maybe you've had two or three that haven't haven't quite made it. I mean, you, you can't just say, I'm going to shut this school out, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that the minute you do that, um, you know, I, I'll give you an example. First Coast in Jacksonville, bus city, uh, for whatever reason. You know, guys go to Florida State, they bust. Clemson, uh, I think Travaris Barnes finally got on the field his fifth year up there. Uh, Carolina, Jameer Williams. Well, the minute you shut it out, that's when you're going to miss on Shaq Wilson, who was a four-year starter, uh, and who was an excellent player and uh, on some great Carolina teams. And is a great Gamecock and is still on the staff there. So can't just uh, can't just say, ah, we're not recruiting Chapin anymore, that kind of thing. And, look, I, Darian, I'm, I'm not predicting all SEC for Xavier Short. I'm not predicting anything. I don't know. Uh, with him, I can see anything from he surprisingly gets on the field his first year, makes some great things happen to definite red shirt and not really knowing what to do with the guy. Uh, it's like with a lot of things, it's up in the air, but specifically with him, I, I, I just think it, I think it made sense for the reasons I, I, uh, laid out. And you're not blowing me up, Darren. I love your, you love your emails. Love them. Love them. Cartwright. Oh, uh, this question keeps coming up. Rattler said part of the reasons he wanted to come was because of Sats pro-style offense. Now, now let, let's be clear. Rattler didn't say this. I don't think he's talked to anybody. His quarterback's coach said it. And it's not that, that doesn't mean he doesn't like it. Uh, but this is the reason I said, and I have said, that the folks out there that, that, that believe that Shane Beamer needs to be on their timeline uh, in terms of a change, they don't understand recruiting. Because – you're not getting Spencer Rattler if there's no offensive coordinator to, to, to say anything. And I have a feeling here there's a, there's a way, kind of, and I'm not, I'm not going to speculate on names or anything, but the game guys can thread the needle a little bit here to where it is what you told Rattler, there is a new play caller, this, that, and the other. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, but no, I don't. I wouldn't rule anything out with the staff right now. So that's the deal there. I help consulting mailbag rolls on. Jared, too good to be true is the name of this email. I read what Spencer Rattler's trainer said about coming to South Carolina. Sat runs an NFL style offense, blah, blah, blah. Does this mean we keep Satterfield? Not necessarily. Um, it, it just means that. And then pro style offense is a little bit, you know, let, let, let's just table all this right now and look i'm not i'm not i'm not ruling it out right because i'm just you know at this point i still think a change needs to be made and should be made and i think i believe it will be made and i've, I've been you know there's there was some good information that it would have me but i don't rule anything out i'll say this though if, if it I, i'm not going to be uh optimistic about next season no matter who's playing uh if there's no change nor should any of you be you know, I mean, there's a there's a group of folks out there that uh 
make every excuse in the book for this offense. And, and you know, they look at the on tape and go, this the hell, this is that, and blame it all on the players. Um, if you talk to people behind the scenes, though, I mean, and look, and I, and I would I would say, hey, none of us really know what's going on um, because we're sitting here watching it and we're not inside or whatever. But uh, let's just say, as I've said many times about this subject, this is not J.C. Sherbert sitting here watching it, football expert extraordinaire going, oh, I, I would never do that um, just because – I have more respect for a lot of coaches than to do that. Uh, you know, I arrived at this consensus, which is what it really is, based on information from a number of contacts that I trust, uh, many of them inside the Gamecock program, uh, many of them outside the Gamecock program that know ball, uh, you know, uh, and that's across the board. You know, it's not just like, you know, sometimes you'll get a couple of disgruntled guys that are just, and they try to throw everybody under the bus. And, you know, I've been, I've been through that before, right? Because uh, not not every staff gets along swimmingly. Uh, but but that's not what this is. This is a uh, – yeah, I'm comfortable telling you there absolutely needs to be a change made. Thanks, Jared. Tim says, I'm not trying to dump on Rattler coming here, but you know he's benched at Oklahoma this year. Oh, yeah, I knew that. How is he going to play with having less playmakers at the wide receiver position? And how in the hell is he going to do it if Satterfield stays on as OC? Well, I, I think what you have to do, man, is look around the country and see how many people that have gotten beaten out at quarterback end up going elsewhere and playing really, really well. You know, that's the thing there. I've never been a huge Spencer Rattler guy. Uh, I think that there were some issues with reading defenses and things this year at Oklahoma. Uh, they had to go. They had to make a change. Uh, sometimes that happens. You know, but, but he's the best quarterback Carolina has, you know, first first time he steps on campus. I mean, I, I you know, I think this OC thing has been beaten to death right now. And, um, you know, again, see what happens moving forward. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of playmakers in 2020. Nobody played defense that year. Uh, but, uh, you know, not so many this year at Oklahoma. But Carolina's got a big need at receiver, too, and that would have been the case whoever the quarterback is. So uh, I would just use some common sense here, Tim, uh, and not – you know, look at it like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I would look at it more like, um, hey, there's plenty of guys that get beat out at quarterback that go elsewhere, you know, shine and play well. Some guys don't. Some guys don't. Remember Kelly Bryant? Everybody was like, Kelly Bryant, uh, going to lead Missouri to the promised land. Well, he led them to six and six. <laughs> I think uh, – I think Rattler's a different animal, though. You know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, stepped into a college program, won the job when he was young, you know, highly, highly recruited guy. Uh, when you watch him, you know, the, the thing that, that I like is that here's a quarterback finally that can do some of the things they've been trying to do. You know, but in other words, it seems like every coach that comes in here loves the inside zone. Uh, and, and look, Inside zone when Marcus Lattimore and Mike Davis and Brandon Wiles were there. I mean, Connor Shaw was running a quarterback. It was, it was great. Or Garcia or whoever. Um, 
you know, it worked with Jake when Jake would be able to pull it, I guess. Um, so when you have the inside zone, uh, it's very, very helpful when you can tag what's called zone read on top of that, which means, okay, you're running inside zone, but it's actually a read. And if the ends crash, like, oh, guess who did that this year? Missouri. If the ends crash, what happens is Rattler, instead of giving it, pulls it and runs around the guy and it's a touchdown. He walks in the end zone. So that's helpful. And everybody's been complaining about that. I think running RPOs are are very helpful in offenses these days and sort of with his release and launch point and faking ability or whatever, when you watch him, he's a lethal guy with RPOs. Um, Everybody gripes and bitches all the time about deep balls and some people think that's football now you know throwing deep balls rattlers have great velocity and touch on his deep ball so you know i just look at who he is i mean uh he fits uh you know with what the gamecocks need or anybody needs a quarterback um and so we'll see you know i heisman talk right now i a long way to go with this offensive with what else has to happen on offense, but you know, we'll see what happens. He said, now saying that to him at a, a, a second line, he's more talented than anyone we've had. Yep. Hopefully his name will bring in some big receivers out of the portal. And dear Lord, I hope we move on from Satterfield to at least dump last year's offensive scheme. As Lou Holtz used to say, it's never as good or bad as it seems. Usually somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. Tim. Absolutely. High hopes. BJ says, well, there you have it. Gamecocks get the QB tight end from Oklahoma. Maybe not Johnson and Johnson to some hope for, but I think it's a huge win for Coach Beamer and staff. Uh, with a job, the, all right, so so I think the Rattler-Stogner combination helps now for next season probably more than Johnson and Johnson. I think Johnson and Johnson would have been bigger for the future. You know, like next you're, – you're talking maybe two – you get two more years out of Max, and then you get three years out of Jay, that kind of thing. Um, he's like huge win for your staff. I can imagine the staff making the pitch to both. Uh, yep, that's what they did in a competitive way, just to see who would bite first. Yeah, and Stogner was probably coming regardless. Uh, I want to make that clear. But Rattler, you know, you get him in or whatever. Say what you want about ego and defense reading skills, but this is a big-time upgrade of the offense. I tend to agree. Uh, I do think there's work to be done. Obviously, I've said before, trying to run what they ran, ran this year is going to be tough sledding with him, but I think it would be that way with anybody. The unfortunate repercussion could be that Brown and Jenkins decide to head for the portal after the bowl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Brown's gone, as you know. I meant to mention that in the news news segment. Jenkins does not graduate until May. So there's time with him, you know, because the, the rule is if you graduate, you get another free transfer. Uh, and, and Jason graduated this December. So EJ's got to wait, but will he go to the point? I don't know, you know. Um making both the quarterback room and receiver room lighter on playmakers. Yeah, you know, I, I, Jason Brown was going to leave if they brought in a – and they had to bring in a portal quarterback, and he, he was going to leave anyway, I, I think, regardless. Just, and it's not that, you know, people are kind of beating him up because why don't you just stay here and compete? Uh, and even Beamer told him to do that. But listen, man, you can't risk it like that with your in your first year. 
I mean, with I'm sorry, when you only have one year, I mean, you have one year left. You, you know, and anything can happen. Injuries happen. Things like that happen. But I get it with him. You can't can't risk it. So uh, there you go. So um, he goes surveying the likely returning receivers. Van Leggett and Joiner are the only real proven players. Yeah, Van. I mean, I think you got Van, <laughs> and that's it. I think they'll slide. Jaheim Bell to receiver. He said, I know you like Kamari and Brown as an unused deep threat, but I like the prospect of Rico Powers and Omega Blake taking steps in the offseason with the addition of Samson or Horton. Samson's going to play. I'm not going to – I'm not – you know, talent-wise, Rico Powers could be good. I, I'm not – until Rico Powers decides Rico Powers is going to, you know, be better, work, do whatever, I'm, I, I'm not uh, – I'll never say you need to count on him. Uh, Omega Blake uh, is a guy that uh, I think is um, got a chance, really, athletically. Uh, don't count him out. Uh, it keeps going on. They didn't get Ramon Brown. He went to Maryland. Anybody else holding out for February? Transfer portal. I think about eight or nine spots are going to go to portal guys. Finally, I agree with you of the offensive coordinator – after the bowl season, I'm not in love with the idea of a Joe Brady, but I can kind of see a Burrow to Rattler offensive scheme fit. Who's left on the list for OC with Kitley and Riley now off the board to bigger jobs. Well, I think a lot of people talk about Garrett Riley because of Beamer's connection to Lincoln Riley. And I think obviously there, there was some talk with Garrett. Zach Kitley was basically – South Carolina fans on a message board uh, looking and saying, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> uh, he, you know, I don't, I don't know. And he is a straight – he's where he needs to be at Texas Tech. He's from Texas Tech. He graduated Texas Tech. He's more of a Mike Leach type guy. I, I think at South Carolina you need a more wide-open college-style attack, obviously, but you, you need to be able to run the football. Um you know, I admire that Leach is able to pull upsets at Mississippi State, and I think they're just going to get better and better on offense. But, you know, it's uh, – it, I don't think it's ideal uh, at, at South Carolina, short-term or long-term. Uh, you know, maybe long-term you can get there, but, you know, you, you, you're not always going to have a quarterback that can play in that system. You're, you're not always going to have a bunch of receivers – you know, so I don't know. And I think you do still have to run the ball. So I get it. But no, Kitley was just a people on the message board speculating uh, and all that. Not saying he wouldn't have gotten a call, but that it wasn't like, oh man, you know, Kitley and Riley were both guys Beamer was going to hire. So uh, now they're gone. I mean, th- there was no board. Uh, I'll put it that way. Thanks, VJ. Certainly appreciate you. Uh, Rob says another another Spencer Rattler Marcus Satterfield thing. Um, yeah, all right, Rob. I answered this on Twitter. That's right, you you tweeted that email. Jeremy says take a break while the transfer talk. I figured I'd throw something new in. What's your take on Stephen Gilmore? He's like a multi-year All-Conference player at Marshall, and he's Stephon Gilmore's brother. Yes, he is. Marshall is listed at six two now. Uh, which, if my memory serves correctly, it's the reason Muschamp didn't take him because he was five eight, five 
lower. He's probably smaller than five nine. Your take on him as a player? Stephen Gilmore is outstanding, uh, and he's one of those guys that I kind of with in-state guys. You look and there's there's different. Zion Nelson, the, the tackle that went to Miami from Sumter. Miami took him when he was two hundred thirty-five pounds. Wolf didn't want to, you know, you're projecting a guy to gain 80 pounds or something. And yes, Sedarius Hutcherson did it, but you look at Sedarius, you know, that's a rare occurrence. Okay. Uh, so I don't blame him for not taking Nelson, even though he's probably going to be a first round draft pick now. That's just luck. Same thing with Gilmore. I mean, he's just small and, and you, you don't know if he's going to grow or not. And he did. And he's good. So uh, nothing but good things to say about him. And I think, excuse me. Oh, didn't mean to yawn. That's rude. My bad. Uh, I think he'll play in the NFL. That's my take on him. Hudson, what's up, JC? What a fun ride we've been on with Rattler, Stockner, and Black. I hate the barn flip. That situation's been strange since Saturday. It was. It was like, okay, so, so here's what happened. I mean, I'm sitting at the bar, right? Because I'm like, yeah, I'm not dealing. Barham's going to Maryland. I'm just, I'm going to go watch Harvey Navy and forget about Carolina recruiting because it's kind of on the heels of Antonio Williams. Um, but yeah, it was weird. It was weird. And I should have said something before signing day, but he was, Barham was communicating with Carolina staff like it was over. Maryland's staff was telling our, our Maryland insiders it was over. He's going to South Carolina. Something happened. Something happened. Um, sometimes you just wake up and you stay home. I don't know. Or sometimes you just wake up and you don't stay. Uh, that happens too. <laughs> uh, my question for you today is about junior college. Do you think the staff plans to dip, dip into the junior college ranks to fill needs? Or has the portal ultimately replaced you go recruiting? That's going to be interesting to see moving forward. Um, and it's something I'll need to ask about or get hailed of to, to check around, maybe write something on about the philosophy. Because uh, Muschamp, every staff that's been here at some point or another will go and uh, place a guy, you know, that doesn't have the grades coming out uh, and then get him back from junior college. Now, Will that still happen? I think that's good to do with in-state kids, maybe North Carolina kids, maybe a kid you find that can play in another state nobody knows about. But, you know, are JUCOs going to be maybe as popular as they once were to fill needs? Probably not because, you know, like I said, the the portal has a lot of variety. And, and, you know, if you go heavy JUCO recruiting like Kansas State or Mississippi State under Jackie Sherrill or – Kansas boneheadedly tried to do that under Charlie Weiss and it just wrecked them. Um, you're, you're looking at, at churn in your roster and then you're looking at some years. Well, well, what if these Juco guys you get that are supposed to be your juniors in your class bust? Uh, and then you don't have anybody behind them, that kind of thing. Nobody you've developed. If, if you do that, that's the risk you run, you know, cause you, you, you're constantly trying to plug holes with the portal. Uh, and Carolina did this, like, you know, Debo Williams and David Spalding are like essentially refreshment. They've got a long time left. Uh, so you, you can get a guy that's a, you know, one and done at another school. It's just like getting a freshman. So uh, I, the portal almost is a, is a better deal just because of the variety there. Um, my only question about JUCOs is, uh, you know, with South Carolina, will it become like – 
uh, just a deal where only they only place guy, like in-state guys to get them back. Because even though Clemson's going in the portal, I don't think Clemson's going to be taking Jukos anytime soon. That could still be an advantage. I mean, look, Jabari Ellis, Javon Kinlaw, Dennis Daly, a lot of players that uh, they've put in junior colleges have come back and been pretty good for Carolina. So I, I don't know that it's over. Now, I do think this. I mean, there's some concern on the junior college ranks that this is the beginning of the end. So I, I don't know. I, I I tend to think what you, if you do that, you're probably limiting – you're probably going to cost yourself some really good players because, you know, not every player can get in or whatever, or maybe they start using uh, smaller colleges to, to stash guys, you know, maybe oh, we can, can't get in here, but you can get in here, go play for a year and come back. So Hudson says, looking forward to a fun off season and the bowl game. Me too, buddy. Noah with early signing day in the books, who are the top targets remaining for the Gamecocks of the 2022 class? And also 2023. Well, for 2023, uh, Hale had a nice article today. Obviously, in state, you know, you've got uh, Montique Rames over at Sumter, the defensive lineman. You've got Xavier McLeod at Camden, another D lineman. Uh, they're going to fight like hell for Marquis Anderson from Dorman, although Clemson's offered him, and Clemson usually gets players out of Dorman that they want, you know, quarterback to keep an eye on 2023. Uh, Dylan Lonegren from Snellville, Georgia, which I think is home of David Pollock or either David Pollock or David Green won. I think uh, Pollock went to Shiloh. I think Snellville was David Green. I'm not positive, though. Uh, you, you know, lots of kids from North Carolina. You know, you, you mentioned um, you got Keith Sampson from New Bern, big defensive lineman that's got heavy interest. Uh, Monroe Freeling, the big tackle out of Mount Pleasant. They're going to try with him. He's probably leaning elsewhere, see what kind of player he ultimately becomes. He's got a lot of work to do uh, and all that. So, you know, those are some of the guys for 2023. And, you know, they're going to get started on that and remaining. Uh, see what the transfer portal brings, man. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of it. That's just kind of it. Sherrod Green, any info, says Camp. Uh, Cameron, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I remember seeing something that he'll return for his final year, but wanted to verify. He was sorely missed this year. Yeah, and that's the second straight year Sherrod Green gets off to a really good start and gets hurt. I think he got hurt against Tennessee in 2020 in the opener. He's playing really well. Boom. And then Georgia, boom. That just sucked uh, for Sherrod. Um, but I think he'll come back. Uh, if, if, if Sherrod does not come back, my guess is it's because – Look, it's probably because he's just like, look, my body didn't want to go through this anymore. Uh, but as far as football goes, yes, I, ex I expect uh, the only guys that are kind of making decisions right now that I know about, Jordan Strong, Zach Pickens, um, Kevin Harris, but I think he's leaning towards going. Uh, Cam Smith is coming back, he says. You know, so so those guys, um, everybody else, I was asking about Dylan Wanham today. I think he's coming back. So Carolina's going to have a lot of players back, a lot of players back. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate that. Last question comes in from Sean. What are your thoughts uh, about them going back to the one signing day in February? Uh, I actually like – all right, so I like it and then I don't like it. I, You know, I, I – uh, are we going back just so, you know, blue bloods won't lose players? I mean, is that what we're doing? 
I mean, why? Why? Uh, why are we going back? I, I know that I don't like it from the standpoint of it. It, it forces everything into December. You, you, it's chaos. You've got guys trying to make lifetime decisions. Uh, you've got coaches jumping from here, there, and yonder. You know that kind of thing. So I, I don't, um, I don't like it for that reason. But, but I, from what I, the motivation to change it, I think. Um, you know, it seems to me like you're pandering to, you know, blue blood schools because they're mad because they can't go flip players. So don't call me a conspiracy theorist, but it seems like it's only an issue now because it affected LSU and Oklahoma. There you go. There you go, Sean. My second question is your thoughts regarding on three sports. It's something that will stick. Saw Charles Power over there, and it piqued my attention. I know you're the recruiting guy. Thanks, JC, Spencer, Rattler, Nicola. Uh, on three sports, some of my best friends in business ever and people I have massive respect for uh, are at on three sports. Now, I'll tell you this, Jerry Hamilton and Charles Power are the two best evaluators I've ever worked with in this business with uh, you know Tom Luganbill and Craig Halbert from ESPN and Barton Simmons, who's now at, at Vanderbilt probably up there too. Um, Mike Farrell, you know, uh, but, but Charles and Jerry, when I worked with them, it was um, absolutely fantastic to uh, be a part of uh, a rankings team at 24 seven early to, to mid time while I was there working in Nashville. Wow. You know, uh, I can't say enough good. And they're obviously over there uh, working uh, Shannon Terry, who I owe a lot to him for my career. Bobby Burton, uh, I owe a lot to him for my career, my career personally and, and personally too uh, in my life. Uh, th- these are all people that mean a ton to me uh, as far as my life goes and, and my work life and, and all that. I mean, I, I'd do anything in the world for them. Um, so I do love the people. And, and, and what I think is going to happen in this business, will it stick? Absolutely. Uh, what, what I think is you're going to see a lot of the sites that are at rivals.com right now. Uh, I think this is my guess gravitate toward on three, um, not all of them, but a lot of them. And, and, and that'll basically gut rivals and it'll kind of be like when 24 seven sports absorb scout. Uh, I'm not saying it'll happen tomorrow or, or, or anytime soon. Uh, and I think there'll be some, Possibly, based on rumors I hear, uh, some movement in the South Carolina market, not our site, but South Carolina market uh, with that as well. Um, as far as us, Big Spur, inside the Gamecocks podcast, all that, we uh, – and look, if, if I didn't have the BigSpur.com and I hadn't basically – yeah, because I went through a period there for a while where I was kind of burnt out with some things work-wise. Uh, if I weren't having so much fun <laughs> right now uh, doing this podcast, getting on the website, uh, talking about the, the team I grew up loving um, with my people, you know, so to speak, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be over there with on three, to be honest. I mean, that's that's what I did. I was with Shannon at Rivals. Bobby at Rivals, and I was right there, twenty four seven sports. When we were building it in the home office, and I love that environment. And you know, I. But right now, you know, 
my life, my work life is the big spur. And uh, it's basically through all of that other stuff that I did, the TBS has basically been my life, my life's work. And, and I love the podcasting stuff and talking to you guys every day. So uh, as far as anything, any movement in terms of, I don't know, um, us, TBS, making a move to a new network. I, I, that's not, we're, uh, we're going with CBS, uh, 24 seven sports long-term, um, with that. Cause it's just, it's just a great setup for us right now. Uh, you know, with the, the future of, of the business and, and things like that, I think we, uh, we're good. Doesn't mean I don't complain sometimes about some of the things in recruiting with the rankings and stuff, but that's to be expected. But yes, the answer to your question, Sean, is on three sports. Uh, in my opinion, my professional opinion will stick. Uh, and there are people over there that uh, I'd take a bullet for. So, you know, I, I'm never going to have anything bad to say about uh, anything that they are doing, you know, outside of maybe when it gets to the Gamecock market and obviously you compete and all that good stuff. So, Thanks so much. That's a good question. And a way to end it off. Thanks to uh, everybody that, that chimed in. Uh, I'll have the second signing day breakdown where I go player by player uh, on the next episode. Uh, I'm hopefully, hopefully I'm hopeful to get that out by tomorrow. Uh, maybe late, probably later on the day. If not, maybe do it Monday or something like that. Be sure to check out those videos on the, the Big Spur YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash the Big Spur. Go hit subscribe. It's free. It helps our numbers or whatever. And, uh, and, and check those out for now. Uh, and then we'll have more uh, later, guys. I appreciate all of you uh, with a great signing day. Um, if I don't talk to you between now and uh, tomorrow, hopefully the Gamecocks uh, have a a competitive game up at Clemson with all the players out. That's a big one always. Um, and then we'll talk later. Uh, J.C. Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecocks podcast.